This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Welcome back. As we continue the show here, Kelly and Ramia, thanks for tuning in. 2 p.m. Eastern time live on weekdays on AMI-tv. And then we got a couple of repeats, of course. On AMI-audio, we hang out with you starting 4 p.m. Eastern time during the weekdays and wherever, whenever on your podcast platform. Kelly, over to you. You know, there's a benefit to having an afternoon show. Yeah. We need it every day to be where we are at 2 p.m. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you don't have to, like some of the other staff, sit through all-day meetings. Really? Like, there was a recent one that I heard about. Now, I didn't know anything else about it, right? Because right? we weren't invited. But the point is, mm-hmm. a bunch of staff had to sit there all day. And I hear there was some great presentation. But they had to sit there, Rum, all day. Really? You would have to move to two cups of coffee, for sure. Stop it. No, I'm fine yeah. with the one cup. But anyways, I'm not in the no, predicament, so it doesn't to, matter. in this situation, right? That's because... You have an afternoon show. Yeah. And once a week on it, we have a round table. Let's get at it. Isn't it convenient that we have a round table? Well, it's actually it oval. Just say it. The blind guy feels it now, goes, <laughs> well, I don't know. Well, I guess it is oval. Kind of oval. So here's what we're doing today, folks. We uh, bring a few items to the table. <clears throat> I do. And I invite Ramya and our guest, who today is Greg David from our communications department, to weigh in on some of these topics and give opinions, thoughts, feelings, whatever they might have on them. Greg, welcome back. It was uh, nice to see you in Toronto yesterday. Yeah, nice to see you too. And, and you know, the, those meetings, I agree. The only thing that keeps you going is all that free food that they bring in to keep Yum. you awake. Not just leftovers from wrong? yesterday, though. Like oh. other free food. Oh, yeah, the, the food during the, the meeting on Tuesday when we were planning the future of Kelly and Ramya, that was really good food. Because it was yeah, a really and, good and, future. And, and that yes. was the, oh, the future plans were great. Uh, but the food we had yesterday, Rum, was probably the leftovers from Tuesday. Oh, uh, no. No, <laughs> no, no, it, no, it was wasn't. Not. And no, it wasn't. And by the way, I understand the Kelly and Ramya team who got to go up to the food first because of their show at we 2 deserve p.m. It. ate all of the tacos. There were no tacos when I Get showed up. out. Thanks, Michelle. Nope. I took one of each, all right? Uh-huh. And there were many. Michelle, Michelle sure went up and lots. advocated to HR <laughs> that we be the first group to go up there. You know, after they were, and they were up for anything since they were celebrating and winning the we contest. We didn't even they, win the contest. That they had so. put together, yeah. you know, of naming, naming artists and tunes and stuff like that, put together by the HR department, if I didn't mention <laughs> that. Uh, Greg, let's talk about music, as a matter of fact. Canadian singer-songwriter Miles Goodwin, who shot to stardom as the former lead singer of the rock band April Wine, passed away earlier this week. Miles Goodwin died early Sunday in Halifax at the age of 75. His publicist, Eric Alpert, describes Goodwin as a breath of fresh air. He was just one of the great songwriters in the era of classic rock. The band formed in Halifax in 1969 and went on to sell over 10 million recordings worldwide. Alper says Goodwin stepped away from the band earlier this year due to health issues and no longer wanting to live out of a suitcase, but he continued to perform and work with other musicians. I, I'm going to miss him terribly. April Wine was added to Canada's Walk of Fame this fall. Karen Rebo, the Canadian Press. 
So we were talking about being added to the Walk of Fame and how that stuff goes with Corinne yesterday. And, of course, April Wine from Laura Bain's uh, hometown there of Halifax. Greg, when I hear that, I think, wow, it's a lot more tunes I know. And I think it's a little bit beyond Canadian content reasons that I know so many of the tunes from April Wine and, and, and the history. Uh, this one of your bands growing up? Uh, yes, I was a little too, I was a little too young because I think they were yeah, out in too. the 70s more than the 80s. But certainly they were like all of the clips that we just heard there. I knew those one, uh, the, all of those songs. I was going to make a just between you and me joke, but then the song came on. So the joke was null and void. But yeah, I was kind of late to to April Wine. I kind of discounted them because of the CanCon Kelly that you and I grew up with, where, you know, Canadian music and singer songwriters had to be featured on Canadian radio. So I think I've had my nose up a little bit at them at the time, but I came to them later, um, probably in my late teens, early 20s, and that was when I really started to appreciate them. And what a loss. I just heard an interview with Miles uh, not too uh, earlier this year where he was talking about stepping away from the stage, but was still doing kind of personal performances and things like that. So yeah, a huge loss. And, and one of those times where you go to like Apple Music to their their playlist yes. and you think, wow, I know like all of these songs. Mm. And and you feel a little like the Canadian content was jammed down our throat when it came to a yeah. band like that. Like my siblings absolutely really loved April Wine. Um, but I feel that way growing up to in our era, Greg Moore with the Tragically Hip. It was a band that I, oh, to me, they were overrated. Yeah. But I love what they are to Canada. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yes, it's Tragically Hip, again, a band that was shoved down our throats on radio, and now I've come to later in life and really, really appreciate the songs, which is great. That's kind of what you want, right? Rum, is there a Canadian band in your kind of... Oh, dear. You know, that you would come to... And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm sorry to put you on the spot on that, because or artist, doesn't necessarily have to be a band, but, you know, somebody that either you... Whether you know or not, a lot of time we don't even know. I don't even realize yeah. sometimes, oh, I didn't realize that person was from Canada. I guess, well, and for me, like, even if you realize they're from Canada, there is kind of this, do I really like them or do I like them because mm -hmm. they're Canadian? Because they're right. Canadian. Yeah, exactly. And I felt that way about Nelly Furtado. I'm not going to say too much, because I know you've had her on the show and she's done a lot for, you know, just like supportiveness around the community. Um, but really, like when I was growing up and she was a big deal because she was Canadian and she was just topping the charts in all these different ways, I didn't like her. I didn't like her music. I didn't like her voice. I was like, oh, you know, how is she popular? But then you try to appreciate or start to appreciate it in that sense that I just mentioned, which is but she's Canadian. And regardless of whether or not you have the music taste for these artists, um, you can appreciate like on the bigger scale of things what it does to put Canada on the map, right? And in entertainment and these unique ways, I guess. Like the Brian Adams mm -hmm. listing, well, right? Yeah. Brian Adams uh, yeah. is everywhere. I was just going to say that, Kelly, like it almost feels and this has been kind of a, the detriment to Canada is that we don't accept somebody until they've actually left Canada and become successful somewhere yeah, else. Yeah. And I think until Brian someone Adams else tells just, us it's OK, right? Exactly. Or we like you know, oh, oh, yeah. oh, the U.S. likes Brian Adams. Oh, I guess I can like Brian Adams now or, you know, Shania Twain, all of these bands where, uh, you know, there's they find success worldwide and then Canada embraces them. So oh, we love them the whole time because of who they are. Yeah, right. And yeah. it's funny because most of the other countries well, particularly the, the U.S., don't even know he's Canadian, right? Yeah, right? They just that's know. right. I like Brian Adams. They don't care. You have yeah, the opposite right? problem also. Like, um, you know, Drake is so huge, and now you're supposed to love him because, and he's Canadian, and because right. he's huge. But I'm like, I can't stand Drake. But I don't feel like I'm allowed to say that anymore because 
He he's was, too uh, big. He's too good. He, he's part of that Degrassi history. Yeah. He was on that. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't really realize that until fairly recent, but oh yeah, like I'd hear the references. Guys, I want to talk about somebody else who passed away this week. Uh, legendary television producer Norman Lear passed away at the age of 101. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Norman Lear produced some of the most popular sitcoms of the 1970s, including the classic All in the Family. The show, which premiered in 1971, was based on a British sitcom, Till Death Us Do Part. In a TV Legends interview, Lear said when he read the script... I thought, oh my God, my dad and me, we fought about all of these things. In 1999, President Bill Clinton awarded Lear the National Medal of Arts, noting that Norman Lear has held up a mirror to American society and the way we look at it. Bill Deal, ABC News. So, Ramya, I think of Friends and all the shows you watch uh, in that 90s period, and of course Norman Lear around for it, through that time, and... Um, but so much stuff that he did early in the days had some of that dialogue you listen to now and say, whoa, that, that's a little harsher, that's rough, where, you know, a dialogue over time changes, where some of the more harsher terms that we'd say, you don't say that on TV now, were replaced by more of the sexual references or the things that we were allowed kind of to say that there's no way they could say in the 60s and 70s. Mm. Um, I don't know if you have a show that you know he produced or that you, you might want to point to, but I thought I'd start there before letting Greg at this one. No. Oh, Greg's going to have to take it. But I will say, yeah, there's a lot of, like, throwing back to TV series or even movies, I guess, where uh, you know you're going to have to gasp first, right, and then maybe react mm -hmm. later, especially when it comes to comedy, um, because you're thinking, like... <gasps> Is that appropriate? Uh, am I allowed to? You know, that kind of thing. And I guess, yeah, things don't necessarily um, stay timeless anymore because we're paying much more attention to language, to tone, to uh, references and diversity and all these other things. Greg, a favorite show, first of all, produced by him. I know you're the master with this. We talked last year about the celebration of his life. That was uh, uh, on ABC, I think it was. Oh, I think we lost Greg there for a second. Or maybe he doesn't know uh, the answer. He's going to we'll, we'll get him back. The or he's staying silent saying, no, I'm leaving <laughs> you alone. You guys are stuck out here on your own. We'll get him back there. I, for me, um, I never really knew which shows were his and some of the others. Mm. And they're brilliant, brilliant producers. Um, I mean, yet, just like some of the game shows, I could tell oh, this were produced by this, because they had the similarities, the style. I might say, hey, this is a show, so and probably could list off three or four shows right. without knowing this is Norman Lear, but it's that same caliber of show in a different venue, um, or necessarily, you know, even a spinoff of, you know, something else where he said this show, um, you know, the Jeffersons, has to come up to compliment, um, you know, Archie Bunker. We need that opposite side, but yet the same kind of person. And I, I found I didn't really know a lot of that. It was interesting watching the special last year because there were shows I, oh, really? Mod? Really? This one? I, I didn't didn't know. I may have knew, know, knew the shows, and I'm not. As a kid, I wasn't a huge comedies fan, mm -hmm. but as I progressed into the 80s and got to know a little bit more of that stuff um, and, and appreciate it. I mean, Archie Bunker, I didn't appreciate it. He scared me, but yet... George Jefferson, I could relate to as a simpleton. Just He's a silly man, right? You know, he's so ignorant. Oh, my God. And for some reason, same period of time, I couldn't connect the dots with Archie Bunker. Archie Bunker was an intimate, and I don't know if that's 
you know, being a young black Canadian, if that has something to do with it. Um, whereas I certainly could peg George Jefferson as a racist, even, you know, the black racist that he was. Um, so really interesting dichotomy that I found that I that these shows normally stuff kind of placed me in. Mm, I, I will go back to what you said about, you know, being able to recognize people's works from one show to another or like they've had their hand in the that pot, in the writing pot. But um, also I wonder if a lot of that has to do with just popularity of certain kinds mm -hmm. of shows. One gets popular and then of course everybody wants to get the, the gold, the formula of how this became a thing so then you'll kind of do a, maybe a, a, you called it spinoff, but you know, a gesture of that same kind of comedy or um, that similar feel of joking around or just to kind of see if you can do what's already being done but differently enough yeah. that people will come to your show. Well, yeah, and, and Greg, we're talking, of course, the similarities when you, I, I did not recognize Norman Lear, his shows from show to show to show in the sense of, oh, that's a Norman Lear, and especially when I was younger, but I understood the connection of, oh, Archie Bunker versus George Jefferson, like Godzilla versus, you know, Gamera. Yeah, I mean, we were talking earlier about April Wine and that they were kind of a staple of the 70s. Well, Norman Lear was a staple of the 60s and the 70s. And I mean, whether it was, uh, you know, All in the Family was a spinoff from a British show. But I mean, he just cemented what the American sitcom was during that time period. Uh, and anything that came after that can look back. And even late night hosts have said, like, without a guy like Norman Lear, I wouldn't have wanted to be in television in the first oh, place. Wow. So, you know, he had a great he had a great career, and he, I think he kind of influenced probably two to three generations of people. Yeah, I would think so. And just continued, not just because he was around, but the impact those shows, whether you watch Maude or watch, yep. uh, you know, the Jeffersons, it's what came afterward and how things, we were talking about the dialogue and the form of dialogue that you could say in the 70s, uh, we couldn't do maybe in the 80s, could do different things in the 90s, you know, more of the sexual references, where in the 70s you wouldn't say some of that and but yet in the, in the 70s you could use words that we say now no 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 well not only that but you know as funny as those shows were they could be very very serious i mean you mentioned yes. mod there was an abortion storyline in mod um uh there was a sexual assault and all in the family uh so you know they weren't he even though he made you laugh he also made you think with some very very serious moments on those on mm. those shows yeah. mm. yep Yep, for sure. Switch to food, guys. Industry experts say there's still plenty of growth in the, for, for plant-based um, meat products, despite recent setbacks. It's been more than five years since A&W first started selling Beyond Meat burgers to customers eager to see whether the patties could compete with their beloved beef. These days, the plant-based meat industry has seen the exponential growth that marked its early days significantly slow. Beyond Meat recently announced layoffs, and in Canada, it's been a couple of years since Maple Leaf Foods announced it was reevaluating its plant protein business as demand cooled. But Robert Carter with the Stratton Hunter Group says consumers still want to reduce their meat consumption and adds that as economic conditions improve, they will start to show more interest in plant-based meat again. Brenda Molina Navidad, The Canadian Press. So I've said on the show that I'm more of a believer that we should just count the whether it's vegetarian stuff or uh, plant-based meat, whatever, as a food item. Uh, like going to a buffet and you're just picking out something because whether it's a tofu item or what it might be, that's Rumya where I feel 
if we didn't necessarily say, you know, this is plant. Did I tell you this was plant-based? Jive it down our, our throat <laughs> and saying it, yeah. which, unfortunately, if you're told this is beyond meat, uh, as opposed to this is an item called whatever, you call this item, and just eat it. Try it. Yeah, honestly, like, I feel that not just growing up, like, in your own family and how adventurous you were with food, but also just culturally, it makes such a big difference for me. I grew up having lots and lots of vegetarian exposure, like, food exposure. So when I hear Beyond Meat or when I hear, like, I go, as you say, um, through... Uh, like a buffet kind of situation, unless it's raw vegetables, I will be down to try whatever and not averse to, you know, the non-meat options. Um, but I feel like some people are just because of the resistance of mm -hmm. never having had, you're always thinking of meat as the staple. Yeah. Uh, Greg, how about you feel on this? I know for myself, I've not really tried it. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll eat it. It's I think what turns people away is that trademark, right? Like whatever the name of that brand yeah. is that they've created yeah. that's plant based, it maybe turns people off. I um I was ordering out uh, I was ordering some chicken wings the other night, and they advertised uh, plant based uh, you know boneless wings, and I didn't get them. I went with the with the the chicken, but I'm not adverse to trying out new things. I think. Uh, we, technology has gotten to the point where it isn't about the consistency anymore. Like you remember in the in the very beginning, people would say, "Oh, it's it's rubbery or yeah, whatever." Yeah, um, You know, it just isn't. It doesn't have the same mouthfeel. But I think that the technology is there enough now that there is that mouthfeel uh, where people aren't turned off the way that it was. And and there's also I don't feel like there's a stigma to it. Like a few years ago, there would have mm -hmm. been a stigma attached to it, but I don't think there is anymore. Yeah. Uh, pal, thanks a lot for joining us. It was, again, nice to see you over the last couple of days. Well, not us yesterday, but uh, glad you had a safe trip back to Toronto and back home. And appreciate you making time for the roundtable. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Greg David, joining us from our communications department to talk here on the roundtable. We do this Thursdays on Kelly and Ramya. Taking a break and then coming back to wrap the show with you. Of course, we've got teasers for tomorrow's show. We've got another strange fun of unofficial holiday. And we've got uh, what's going on with Now with Dave Brown, the Friday morning edition. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.